Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Leslie Appleton Young with the California Association of Realtors, uh, welcoming you to our Housing Matters Podcast. I have Jordan Levine and Oscar Way our crack economist joining me today. And we are going to start by talking a little bit about the big news this morning, which was the second quarter GDP number. Uh, Expectations, and I would say hopeful expectations, (laughs) were for a 2% increase. And the number that came out this morning was 1.2%. So the stock market's happy. Everybody else is kind of scratching their head. And we are going to go uh, go through the numbers and find out what, what the yin and the yang of that 1.2% um, has been. But I do want to say, um, and I, I am gloating a little bit, um, as you know, I am predicting that we will not see a Federal Reserve increase in the Fed funds rate until 2017. Now, my staff, which listens to everything I say, um, also uh, including how important it is to have independent um, and well-documented views, uh, has not been embracing my approach, but they are being dragged kicking and screaming into that, <laughs> into that world uh, with this current, uh, current Q2, uh, Q2 number. So um, anyway, any comments, anyone, on what the Fed's going to be doing? Well, first of all, I want to say... I am not usually the bullish one, but I think in the last couple months or three months or so, I was a little bullish. And, you know, because of my bullishness, I thought the Fed could raise rate at least once this year, uh, at the end of this, uh, towards the end of this year, or maybe even in September. But of course, I was off. Yeah, I'm the consummate optimist, I think. And you can't see me right now, but I am holding my hat in my hand as we record this podcast. So. <laughs> right, absolutely. Okay, well, let's get let's get going on the 1.2%. And I just want to start with um, uh, consumer spending, which is really holding the uh, economy up pretty much at this point. Um, real personal consumption grew at 4.2%. Durable goods spending grew at 8.4%. And this was the biggest jump in consumer spending that we've seen since the end of 2014. So thank you, job growth. Thank you, income growth. Thank you, lower prices still uh, at the pump compared to what we've been used to, because all of those things have helped to grow um, discretionary income and are uh, helping to fuel um, this fairly significant gain in consumer spending. So we're, we're pretty happy with that, right? Yeah, and, and of course, I was, uh, I was kind of blindsided uh, because I was very optimistic about consumer spending. Looking at the retail sales in April, May, and June, um, I thought we ha- would have a much higher uh, GDP growth rate, but I also neglected to look at some of the uh, other parts of the components of the GDP, which includes the uh, investment part of it. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, I would also add to Leslie's list just kind of thank you housing because we've also seen growth in, in home sales and we know that makes folks go out there and buy furniture and, and mm -hmm. all the rest. So that one's near and dear to our heart, obviously, but it is also a driver of, of some of the growth that we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Over the years, we've done uh, periodic analysis of what the multiplier effect for uh, for housing uh, is, and it's always significantly bigger than other expenditures because of all the other things you buy when you get into uh, into a new home. So definitely, um, kudos to kudos to housing. So let's talk a little bit about the kind of disappointing part of what we saw, and that was um, uh, on the investment side. Yeah, investment was a, a big disappointment. Uh, in all honesty, I had kind of expected the drag. From business investment to be uh, a bit more moderated mm -hmm. this quarter just because we've started to see things in the energy sector stabilize which you know up to this point i think really had been um, the big negative dragging things down we've seen pretty consistent uptick in oil price i think we're somewhere in the True. 45 50 a barrel 40 between 40 to 45 i think yeah so i mean which is a far cry from the 27 we were at but if you kind of scratch under the surface of these gdp numbers you see that the the big chunk of this negative impact is still concentrated on on oil and and energy so um pretty disappointing and and the inventory building um which is a big part of it we have been talking about inventory building last three four uh, quarters it has been slow but you know it was still growing this quarter though the business inventory actually dropped by 8.1 billion which is cutting into the gdp growth rate uh, by about 1.2 percentage point and it's the most reduction since third quarter of 2011. Um, i did not see that coming at all big pullback by, I guess, manufacturers in terms of uh, accumulating more inventories. I mean, I tried to look at this from the perspective of it might be a net positive if it's just because things like auto sales are going so crazy that it's just, um, you know, we're kind of moving them off the shelf quicker than we can add them to inventory. Doesn't seem like that's the case. We have had some good numbers on, on auto sales side, but this really is a, a deceleration in inventory building by businesses, which I think is, you know, potentially uh, concerning leading indicator but you know we've had really weak numbers on inventories for a while so you know we might see that start to wane in the coming quarters too now I want to just alert the listeners as I'm looking over my notes uh, for this call that our um, extreme optimist Oscar has noted <laughs> that the uh, very disappointing behavior of uh, inventories could also have a wonderful silver lining because production will be forced to pick up uh, as those inventories get uh, get extremely low. So um, I think as long as we have a continued uh, robust interest in spending by consumers that he may be right. So hope springs eternal and we're now looking towards uh, Q3. That's a disclaimer. You know, hoping that the consumer demand will continue. Right, right, absolutely. Okay, why don't we get into residential investment? How are we doing there? Well, residential investment actually, if you look at the Q2 number, GDP has actually declined 6.1% in the second quarter. And of course, it did have an increase in the first quarter, but that was a little surprise to me because if you look at the multifamily home starts and also single family home starts, it seems pretty decent. Um, 
but the decline it's actually this decline is actually the most since the third quarter of 2010 so I was a little surprised as of course most of the time I focus on the California level so it might be a little bit different because California obviously do not have as much a seasonal factor adjustment as the, at the national level yeah I think you know in California you can build in the middle of December if you want so those same seasonal factors aren't necessarily all in play but it is a bit of a shift because I think if you look at what residential has been doing alongside consumer spending um, you know up till this point over the last eight quarters or so residential has really been one of the bright spots in our economy and so you know as much as this is you know potentially concerning red flag um, it does seem to fly in the face a bit of what we've seen in the recent statistics because mm -hmm. Um, and I document these on a weekly basis, just kind of looking at what, you know, who's saying what about the economy. But if you look at the census numbers on, on housing starts and, um, you know, new building permits that are being issued nationwide, uh, the June numbers that we just got in a week or two ago were up about 5% over, you know, where they were at the same point in 2015. And so I think that's also one of the reasons why people missed kind of big on these GDP forecasts is that you're looking at some of these, you know, leading indicators on retail sales, on permits and housing starts, um, and things looked like they were coming in a little bit better than what they actually ended up being. And just to add one more note to what Jordan said, um, permits seems okay, but at the same time, we also know from uh, the uh, surveys from builders that the constraints on uh, constructions, uh, constructions workers, uh, those actually is in short supply. So the the building the building investment could be constrained by the the uh, on the supply side on the labor. Yeah, and I think we're really hitting on a topic that deserves a podcast all its own, and that is housing supply and the reaction of supply to the demand side of the market, and particularly how here in California that they're almost disconnected because it is just so hard to get new um, new uh, sticks in the ground uh, because of regulations, because of lawsuits, uh, because of CEQA. There are just so many things that add to the cost and just prevent the kind of supply response that you see in other parts of the country. So as usual, California is a big uh, is a bit of an outlier. And I, I think as you're listening to us go through the, uh, the components making up um, uh, GDP, you can hear that it's a mixed bag, uh, mm -hmm. that you've got some disappointment, you've got some surprises, some are up, some are down, and there just isn't a clear picture. And it, it really reminds me of what we've been looking at the last five or six years. You know, it's just been kind of stuck in kind of an average, maybe 2% growth, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but we just can't seem to, to break, uh, break through. And, 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 and it's also that you've got kind of global trends that are interfering with your typical partial equilibrium analysis. For example, let's, start, uh, let's talk about net exports. <laughs> Typically, when the dollar is strong, which we all know the dollar is very strong, strongest international national currency, um, you should get fewer imports, right? Because your, uh, your stuff is um, too expensive for uh, foreign buyers, and you ought to get more, um, more exports. And yet, it's, it's happening in the um, opposite direction. Yeah, but I think the, uh, you know, the not to use the too technical of a term, but things are just really weird on the trade front at this point. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like Leslie said, you should get more people um, buying stuff from abroad as we have more purchasing power. And, you know, we're seeing the exact opposite thing happen. And actually exports, net exports and trade overall actually added uh, to GDP this quarter, which is, you know, in the wake of Brexit and a strong dollar. I mean, that's exactly the opposite effect that you'd have. So I think it's it's one of those points in the cycle where for every piece of good news that we have, there's an equally kind of uh, discomforting piece of news out there right alongside of it. Well, another thing to add to it is, um, yeah, should, should be a little surprised because of the strong dollar, but at the same time, just keep in mind that, you know, we are in a global economic environment. So this may remind us that overseas, we are still experiencing slow growth, maybe even slower growth after the Brexit incident. So in an upcoming quarter, uh, for the rest of the year, there is a possibility that we will continue to see the uh, trade deficit narrow just because of the fact that you know, global growth is actually not at a very high level right now. Yeah, I think that's a really good good point. As strong as the dollar is, if the uh, people around the globe purchasing our products don't have the income to do that, it's not going to make uh, much of a difference. And with all of the political uh, turmoil, and you've still got Europe really on the verge of a recession where they've been for quite some time, that kind of yin and yang it just doesn't work the way it, it used to. But it really is um, it really is an interesting period to see the dollar so strong and yet imports and exports not behaving the way we would have expected. Absolutely. Um, how are we doing with respect to government um, government spending, right? Everybody's concerned about uh, the government being too strong, uh, local, state, national, concerned about the debt and the deficit. Um, what happened to government spending? Well, if you just look at the GDP number, the government spending in the second quarter actually shrank. Uh, it's actually declined by close to 1%, declining 0.9%. And that's the most in more than two years. Um, part of it has to be uh, cut in, in the uh, cutting of spending on and military, military uh, defense spending. Um, there are other issues as well, as far as the uh, consumer front, as far as how much money you know they collect from property taxes. That should increase as far as revenue was concerned. But government spending is shrinking uh, because of uh, many different reasons. And it's actually shrinking not just at the federal level, but as also at the state and the local level. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that had me at least scratching my head somewhat because um, when you look at the kind of sources of government revenue, right, consumer spending driving the show, at least here in California, that's a huge component of um, local budgets, right? They're collecting that sales tax money. Same thing on the housing market side. We've seen continued growth in home prices and, you know, notwithstanding Prop 13, that has translated into more property tax revenue. And we see it even on the jobs numbers, right? Especially here in California when we're tracking the monthly jobs release, you're seeing state and local governments continue to expand those payrolls. And so that's another one uh, where, you know, I, I kind of stepped back and said, wow, that was one that I wasn't expecting because, you know, everything that kind of dictates how much money governments have available to spend are moving in the, in the forward direction. And yet you have this kind of contraction. And I think it's also worth noting that these are all kind of estimated numbers, right? Mm -hmm. These aren't um, the, the numbers that are going to be set in stone, and we're likely to see some of these get revised up or down uh, in the coming quarters. And so, you know, you always want to kind of view these numbers with a bit of a grain of salt until we actually get the finals in. Yeah, and it's also going to be very interesting to watch over the next couple of months and see where the two presidential candidates 
um, come down in terms of um, of investment. And there's been a lot of talk lately about clearly rates are very, very low. Maybe this is a good time for governments at all levels to borrow in order to invest in infrastructure and really lay a foundation for stronger growth uh, growth in the future. And we'll be watching very carefully to see what kind of signals we get uh, from both of the candidates in terms of their uh, their willingness to do that. Certainly a little bit more government spending would juice this uh, GDP number up um, uh, in a, in, in, a, in a good way, um, but we'll have to we'll have to see. We're all always concerned about the debt. Uh, the deficit um, is is again a very kind of a political hot potato. But again, when you have rates so low, and we'll be talking about where rates are in a, in a little bit, um, it just makes a lot of sense to do some of that. Um, spending in infrastructure that has just been put off for so long in many many states of the in the country. That's very true. I think the election year. I don't want to say that it has a huge impact, but it could be part of the reason why the government might be holding back some of the spending. Who knows? Maybe in the uh, second half of the year or in the next few months or so, we might see a, a little you know, surge in spending. Who knows? Hopefully, that will be the case. We need, you know, as Leslie attributed earlier, we need to work. We have a lot of infrastructures that we need to not just in California, but at a national level, need to. Um, uh, build and uh, hopefully that money will be pouring in in that area. Yeah, I mean economically, infrastructure is a slam dunk. It's it's the finding the political will to make that happen, um, and that's where you know I, I have less confidence at least. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an incredible opportunity. We will see. We will see. So summing up domestic demand, where are we? Yeah, that's that's something that I always tend to look at. I mean, you know, we know trade and inventories, they tend to bounce around all over the place quarter to quarter. Um, so I always like to kind of strip out those two really volatile components and look at what I call core domestic demand. And if you strip those, you know, really noisy series out, you see that, that domestic demand has actually been doing a bit better than this headline GDP number would suggest. We've been averaging about 2.7% since 2014 over the course of the last two and a half years or so compared to the headline, which is, you know, in the sub 2% range. Again, things aren't great on that front, but I think you see that things are a little bit better than what you've heard and also a bit more stable, a lot less volatility um, in the GDP number where we've kind of continued to limp along at these unimpressive rates of growth, but made, you know, some progress nonetheless. I think we do have, um, fundamentally, we do have a pretty decent uh, outlook, I want to say, but of course, I'm the more bullish one. Uh, but at the same time, the discussion that we had earlier, uh, inventories and trade that uh, Jordan attributed earlier, trade I mentioned earlier, yeah, it's it's pretty volatile, um, it may, but there's a possibility that we may see more uh, net exports because of slow uh, global economic growth. At the same time, if, if we are seeing uh, if what I said earlier, consumer demand will continue to grow, then inventory should build up. So, um, hoping for the best, but of course, uh, we have to be prepared. So, in summary, um, describing the economy right now, I would say it's good, but it's not great. And it has been good, but not great for quite um, quite a few years. I think that could easily characterize this, this entire re, uh, recovery. So, um, what are what are the concerns that we have um, we have going uh, going forward? 
I think, you know, one of the things I'll start with is just to say that one of the areas that I have, you know, less concern is on the housing market. I think all of this global turmoil and, um, you know, stronger dollar even isn't going to be enough to upset the housing market. People are still going to want to be in U.S. real estate as a safe haven. Um, and we've already seen, you know, robust demand in the wake of Brexit and things like that. So, you know, I think housing is going to continue to be um, a relative area of optimism for the U.S. economy. I think the business sector is where I have more concerns. We've seen um, corporate profits that have been, you know, really weak, negative growth for several quarters in a row. And that's something that if it persists um, beyond just the impact of oil, a lot of this, you know, initial contraction has been blamed on energy prices. And I think that was propelling a lot of these weak numbers, but we don't get the Q2 number for another month or so. Um, and that's going to be a critical one to watch because the businesses aren't making money. They're not buying equipment, software, and investing in their uh, operations. They're not hiring people and paying uh, raises and things like that. So that's a, a thing that I think we need to keep an eye on for overall economic yeah, growth moving good point, forward. Good point. I think, I think a couple of things uh, uh, to add to Jordan's uh, discussion on uh, labor market and corporate profit. A um, couple of things we want to uh, kind of pay attention on is the commodity prices as well as the uh, financial market. Of course, commodity prices, energy prices, for example, uh, we said it's right around 40, 41, and it seems to be trending up. But who knows what's going to happen if there, uh, and we if we have some global uncertainty, economic uncertainties, or some other geopolitical uncertainty, it might affect oil prices, and that would affect the economy. And of course, with that, when that happens, also the uh, the equity market, financial market will show some volatility as well. Right now, the financial market is sort of close to where uh, close to the top that we have experienced in the last two years or so. Um, and you know, people could be saying, okay, well, it's it's very high right now. Should we be concerned about, you know, whether the financial market will have some um, decline in upcoming months? There's always a possibility, especially since we said earlier about corporate profit. If we're not seeing the earning that we expect in upcoming months, there's possibility of the housing market being considered overvalued. Yeah, I think having a, a high level on the Dow is all great when. Um, you know, companies are kicking butt and making lots of profit. But um, when you see corporate profit shrinking and we've got a high stock market, that's when you, you know, things could potentially be more problematic. Yeah, I think those are all really excellent points. And I just want to circle back to something that, that Jordan said earlier, and that is uh, the housing market and the housing market, looking at California in particular, um, is really doing fine. And again, I would say it's good it's not great, and the reason it isn't kind of fulfilling what I would consider to be its full potential has to do with those twin, uh, twin. Uh, I won't call them engines, I'll call them barriers <laughs> of, um, of a supply response, um, inventory, if you will, um, and housing affordability. And we are starting to see uh, really strong data that plays out um, on um, migration, where people are moving, so you're seeing more sales going to the inland part of the state and you're seeing more people looking outside of the state because of um, just not it's not a demand side phenomena it's really um, it's too expensive and i can't find uh, find anything to buy so as we look at the 
California housing market going forward. I think it's going to continue to be um, a good performer. I don't think prices are overvalued. We certainly have started to see a plateauing um, at the upper end of the market in terms of um, in terms of price appreciation, um, and that's a good thing. You know, we've we've learned that that's a, uh, that's positive. But um, with with mortgage rates so low, right? When when thirty year fixed rate mortgages are three point five percent or or less, um, even lower for fifteen um, for uh, adjustable rate mortgages. And you don't have more of a of a supply of an increase in sales. You know that you've got other factors that are just impeding uh, where the market ought to be going. And as your uh, economics group here for the California Association of Realtors, that's really the area that we are um, really honed in on. Is is uh, what is that going to mean, and what is that going to look like going forward? Yeah, it always seems to come back to supply. Yeah, I know absolutely. Um, well, thank you all for joining us uh, today. It's been uh, an interesting uh, topic, obviously a GDP forecast uh, that uh, overestimates where we are is always uh, important to talk about um, and understand. And um, of course, with, with all the uh, talk about uh, GDP, um, Leslie also mentioned, I want to Give kudos to Leslie again on the prediction on the uh, interest rates that most likely because of the weak GDP, most likely we will see continue um, the Fed uh, keeping the rates at a very low rate, which is the silver lining to me uh, and for the housing market. Yes, even though it's meant that I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Okay, well, we'll see you all in two weeks. Thanks for listening in. Thank, Thank you. you.